Welcome to the Metaphorist's Magazine podcast, your home for beautifully made speculative fiction. The magazine is edited by B. Morris Allen, and I'm your host, Matt Gomez. This week's story is She Was the Universe by Damien Stockley. Damien Stockley is a writer and graduate student from the Hudson Valley in New York State. When he isn't doing thesis research on the grammatology of virtual semiotics, he's pursuing that childhood dream of writing a space opera and all the short stories currently on deck. He hopes to finish them before age 30, or maybe 40. Find him online at damienstockley5.wordpress.com or on Twitter at damienstockley. That's D-A-M-I-A-N-S-T-O-C-K-L-I. Let's jump in. February 1st, 2030. Night shift in the facility always began the same. Arnie woke at 7 p.m. on the temper foam mattress that had once belonged to Governor Bjornsson. He used the governor's shower, his electric toothbrush, and the wool clothes hot from his personal laundry machine. Bjornsson wasn't there to protest, was he? And finally clicked his watch into place. Shower, teeth, shirt, pants, watch. In that order, every night invariably. The final item of the routine was in the bottom drawer, hidden in a wad of socks, the diamond ring, from when Arnie's parents were in love. He pushed it deep into his pocket. At breakfast, the empty cafeteria echoed with every spoon clink of his rice checks and soy milk. Arnie explored the grooves of the diamond as he ate. It wasn't fashionable to propose in your twenties, not in Iceland, but Arnie had no illusions about it. It was a sure thing, and he needed a sure thing. She would understand. So this is potentially a kind of stupid question. A potentially a kind of a... No. After breakfast was hydroponics work. Managing nutrient levels in the soil. Testing to ensure the fungal infection in their wheat didn't escape its quarantine cell. Every time he looked down at the floor, he imagined the ring falling between the bars of the plastic grate and getting lost in the irrigation pipes. Mama had given it to him when he was 11, after his father had taken a head-on collision along Route 41. She'd said one day he'd make his own home with it. He was careful to keep his free hand cupped over the right pant pocket. I figured this is a sure thing. We could all use a sure thing. In times like... No test came out negative. Plant healthy. At 10 p.m., Arnie jogged the long way around the facility to reach the south exit. The quiet corridors exploded with the sort of high-art graffiti he used to see in Reykjavik, a small girl reading a book under a maple tree, a family of magic tortoises, a woman's hair folding into ocean waves. Good exercise, good view, and it was best to avoid the dormitories, so Arnie took the long way every night, invariably. Is it open season for... (sighs) Siggy, can I ask you a real... Christ. He nabbed some of their industrial-grade salve at the worker's closet, then thought about Siggy as he applied it to the cold, cracked skin of his hands. It wasn't fashionable to propose in your twenties, but who was around to judge them now? On went two more layers of wool and polypropylene, so not a square centimeter of his skin was exposed to the air. Still, his nose hairs went solid as he rotated the exterior lock. 
he hiked up his neck buff. It was a clear night, the Reykjanes basalt frosted over and glimmering with starlight. Arnie retraced the path of a thousand frozen footsteps from the shelter to the power plant. The blood returned to his face on the way inside, where he resumed his role as a one-man control room operation and maintenance crew. Most of the night was spent monitoring corrosion in the injection wells, doing freedom tests on the stop valves, and, when necessary, stepping into the wind turbine room for visual checkups and mechanical repair. Tonight, he noticed a single aberration in the control valve's response time, but it didn't persist. 6 a.m. There always comes a time to put the work down and go home, Mama had said. But not quite yet. Arnie suited up and spun the exterior lock. The silhouette of the old Reykjanes lighthouse cut a dark thumb out of the starry horizon, and that was his guide to the shore. He didn't look at Jonas's corpse, frozen, stuck along his path. When he reached the shore, he plopped onto the ice-crusted ground under a million stars. Each night, Arnie marveled at the galactic disk, arching horizon to horizon like spilled cosmic milk. The black background of space only appeared as cracks in the light. He slid his hand between his layers, searching for the pocket. When he found the ring, it looked baby-sized in his double-gloved hand. Hey, um, Siggy, there's... His voice was hoarse. I have something I need to tell you. No. Siggy wouldn't be charmed by theatrics. He would have to try harder, be a little more original. He cleared his throat. Is it open season for stupid questions? Because I have... One... Fuck. So is it open season for stupid questions? He huffed through his neck buff. You sound like an asshole, Arnie. He found a more comfortable position. Sat up. Chest out, right? Confidence. Okay. Hey, Siggy. So, can I be serious with you for a second? I have to say something, and it has to do with something I sensed you weren't too keen on in the past. But I guess I figured maybe this was... Maybe... Arnie let himself fall back onto the ice. Shit. He figured he'd get it before the sun rose. August 6th, 2026. I'm just trying to get you out of that, you know, that place, said Eric, gesturing to the opposite end of the bar. This could be something good for you. It's been a year, man. Live. Arnie peered left halfway through a swig. The bar was circular, in the middle of the place, so a row of Svedka was just eclipsing her face. She was mixing a drink while she talked up Yulia and Helga. I have a lot of good things, said Arnie. My therapist has me keep a gratitude journal now. The trio was framed against a wall of paintings. A nude woman on a beach, a weary fisherman with shining boots, a wintry village. Last week, she had him guess which was hers, and he got it on the 19th try. The little girl reading under a big red maple. She had given him a print of it after, and when he got home, he put it in a drawer and not on the wall, because he thought that would be creepy. The volume of Eric's groans usually depended on how many drinks he'd had. Tonight, he'd had quite a few. I'm not talking about job. I'm not talking about mortgage. I'm talking about living, Arnar. Don't call me that. What? Arnar? You only get to be happy Arnie once you're living again. It was an unusually lively weeknight at the Urstovo, 
and the scene was beginning to wear Arnie down. He had hoped to drink quietly and watch the news for developments on the story going around the water cooler. He hadn't anticipated everyone would be there for the same thing, laughing and cursing each other out and building stacks of cash at the bar and every table. Through a jumble of bobbing heads, he saw the image on TV. It was a true color reading from the Hawaii Observatory, showing an elongated blue-white flare on a background of stars. The alien thing was getting a name tonight, and three options appeared in a list. Eos, Shamash, Phaeton. Everyone had a bet. You two doing okay over here? Arnie froze. Sleeves rolled up, freckles, and a silver ponytail. Her name, Sirun, was sewn into her shirt in cursive lettering. Just giving my friend a little therapy, said Eric over the noise. She grinned, shining a glass. Parents fucked you up, huh? Arnie's head got heavy. Sorry, did I say something? She asked. Eric waved the concern away. He's just getting over something. Don't... How about this? What do you think about the alien thing? We're definitely getting invaded, right? Present fears are less than horrible imaginings, she said in practiced English. But hey, I want to know what the science guy thinks. She pointed to the stitching on Arnie's own work uniform. Arnard Iverson, Reykjanes Power Station, Mechanical Engineer. He laughed. Caught me. What's the prognosis then? Well, it's on a helical vector, so it's probably going to burn up or get captured by the sun's gravity. As for whether it's aliens... All right, this is where I check out, Eric said giving Arnie one last squeeze on the shoulder. You two have fun with this gripping conversation. He slid through the forest of bodies then, took a seat by Yulia, who beamed and hugged him. Arnie sighed. Sorry, are you actually interested in this? Sirun shrugged, but didn't break eye contact. Okay, so it's a high-velocity object of extrasolar origin. That's what we know. Aliens are always the last hypothesis. Always, of course. But the cool thing is the ionized particles making the light. See, that's not what comet dust looks like. And the reason people are saying aliens is because there's a hypothesis going around that it's the effects of a fusion. A curse split the noise, commanding everybody to quiet. The whole bar shushed and turned to the anchor on TV. The suit looked down at his tablet and drew out the last word of each sentence. The votes are in. Here we go. And the name is... A pause for optimal effect. Phaeton! The noise around them swelled to a pitch, and the stacks of cash were distributed appropriately. Eric, apparently a winner, fanned his face with bills and pretended to feign to Yulia's arms. Laughs all around. Get another drink out of him while he's feeling gracious, said Sirun. Eh, some of us need to work tomorrow, said Arnie, pointing to the stitching in his shirt. Don't I know it. But he's right. I think you could live a little, she said. She was juggling the conversation with another order now. You only get away with the brooding because you're cute, and that won't last forever, Arnar. His stomach sank. Her eyes bored straight through him. You... you heard? You get good ears in this business, she said, filling a glass with the house brew. But listen, it sounds like you're getting over a breakup and I'm not handing out rebounds. My mother died. Sirun handed the patron his drink, then froze. She didn't look back at him. Sorry, she mouthed, too quiet to hear over the noise. You couldn't know, he shouted, 
It's okay. I'm in therapy and all that. The regret was burning in his forehand. He searched for a way back. But listen, I'm warning you now that my power plant salary isn't as high as most people think, if that's your angle. Curses. Foiled again, she said. Do you want to start this conversation from the beginning, Arnar? A familiar rush snuck up on him. Something good? Call me Arnie, he said, pointing to the stitching in his shirt. Ziggy, she said, pointing to her own. So, what are you up to tomorrow night? Ziggy's smile widened like light breaking. Mondays are better for me. February 2nd, 2030. 7 p.m. on the governor's bed. Arnie washed and brushed. He grabbed the ring from the drawer and slipped it in his pocket. He ate his rice checks and soy milk and tended to the crops and hydroponics. He avoided the dormitories. An eventful night at the plant. The faulty control valve had failed to trip while he was gone, so the turbine was spinning so fast it would disassemble within hours. Arnie unhoused the valve actuator to work on it, steam piping into the turbine room. When the valve shot closed on his left pinky and ring fingers, he discovered it was an electrical hiccup in the governing mechanism, not the actuator itself. His team would have stopped him from making the assumption, if they were there. He flipped the emergency release and pulled his fingers out of the steam, ignored the swelling and burns, fixed the electrical bug, then proceeded to the shore, ring in his hand. Is it a cliché to say you make everything worth it? January 31st, 2027 When Arnie was six years old, his father had dug a hole in their backyard after they found hot groundwater breaking the surface there. They had let the water fill the hole and set up a rain gutter to let it run down the hill. The empty house was for vacation now, so when they made the trip out, he insisted Siggy give their man-made hot spring a try. Phaeton 3, the third object of its kind, happened across Earth's orbit close enough to be visible in the northern hemisphere in daytime. With his face just above the water, Arnie watched the pale white streak in the sky. Siggy, slowly floating from the opposite end, finally collided with his arm. What are you thinking, he said, to break the quiet. You okay? Every time you ask me that, do you think this will finally be where I say I'm leaving you? It's a habit, isn't it? Words like violence break the silence, come crashing in, into my little world. More English poetry? Yes. Ah, so what are you thinking, Elskan Min? A cloud passed over the white streak, and a gust of wind nipped Arnie's nose. <sighs> that coming back to this house is easier with you. It's funny. Poppy used to joke that I'd bring a girl here one day. She frowned. You haven't told me much about him. Arnie shook his head. He was here until I was 11, and then a car accident. It's old news, really. But at the time, it... I don't know. It's like it broke the world. Only tell me what you want. A world of memories broke the surface. He pushed them out. The thing I remember most was my mother. I couldn't let her leave my sight after that. It was like Schrodinger's mama. Ugh, God, she'd slap me for that one. What do you mean? Every time she left the room, she could be gone. I just couldn't not know. I had to know that she was still there. Does that make sense? 
so I had problems going into school. For a year I went in later, I didn't go at all. They sent me work to do at home when I could, and the only subject I stayed ahead in was math. He laughed. There's always an answer in math, right? Including a financial answer, which you of course have found as well. Yes, he chuckled. I was attached to her for a long time. And a year ago, I finally lost her too. And this house went empty. Orphaned at 25. Whenever I pull in the driveway, it feels like she'll stick her head out the front door. She frowned. I'm sorry, Oskun. But it wasn't as much a shock as Pobby, you know. Mama had MS for years, even when he was alive. I think it's uncertainty that gets me. I can't not know what's going to happen next. Siggy sat up, staring at the clouds with sullen eyes. I think I'm the opposite way. Really? People on this island, she looked at him with that stare, settle into lives early. I think that's like death. When nothing changes, when you know everything that's coming at you. It sounds crazy, but dying in bed at 90 scares me. Knowing that I could get shot tomorrow? That helps me sleep, because I know it's not all going one place. So you wouldn't grow old with me? She tilted her head. Arnar, come on. He let his head fall back into the water and watched the clouds drift past the snowy edge of the hole. Ziggy placed her wet hand on his chest, and her face appeared above him, eyes now gone soft. Just answer me this, she said. Am I the girl you were always supposed to bring here? Or am I me? I don't understand. She was a vision your father created. Am I her? Or am I me? Of course you're you. With a smirk, she said, Don't forget it. Then held her nose and went under the water again. February 3rd, 2030. Wake up at 7 p.m. Get dressed. Grab ring. Breakfast. Make sure the crops are healthy. Avoid the dormitories. Can no longer ignore burns and swelling in fingers. Probably broken. Apply topical ointment and splint. Work at the plant. Pass the corpse. See the stars. The ring. I asked you once if you'd grow old with me. Now I have a sequel to that question. August 30th, 2028. Is it competition on the job market? She asked, looking down at him in his spot at the kitchen table. Is that the problem? No, no. Is it English? Are you afraid of having to use English for your job? My English is fine. A letter had shown up in their mailbox a week prior. Siggy's fellowship. They were both ecstatic at its arrival. Only now was he losing his footing. Siggy had cleared the books from her desk, and the letter had sat there since. Arnie found himself avoiding it. London is going to be harder than Reykjavik. I know that, but from everything you tell me, you're good at what you do and your position is in demand. In my field, I can't just pitch a tent wherever I want in the developed world. You can. Siggy, the industry is more complicated than that. She drew out a long breath. Don't pull that with me. You know I know what's what. Can we just give this more time? Maybe we're not ready for that yet. 
That's... Another breath. That's not how a fellowship works, Arnie. I can't defer forever. I'm... She looked down at her empty palms, then up at him. The stare. I'm trying to make this work right now. What if we end up there forever? What is keeping you here? God help me. I'm struggling to figure out what is keeping you here. Do you have anything here? Really? You're going there? Oh, Arnie. You know that's not what I mean. Then what do you mean? Arnie. She glanced out the window, drawing another breath, but it came staggered. I love you, but I have to take this. She rubbed something out of her eyes. And because I love you, I don't want this to be an ultimatum. He shook his head. I don't know that word. A final decision. It feels like that's what this is. I can't, she said, hands in her face. I'm bad at this. She grabbed her jacket from a kitchen chair. Then she snagged her keys from the counter. Arnie was standing before he realized it. Where are you going, he would have said next. But she read it on his face. His face gave everything away, she always said. I'm going to my family's house. I'm not punishing you. I just... I just need to think. I want you to think too, okay? I'll see you tomorrow. Okay? Okay. There was a creak bang on the door. Then quiet. Arnie was alone again. February 4th, 2030. 7 p.m. Grab the ring. Work. Avoid the dormitories. Burns not healing. Discoloration. Possibly exposure to cold. Sit on the shore anyway. The ring. You always say the only constant is change. What about one more constant? Just one more. September 30th, 2028. Arnie's feet were propped on the ottoman, silhouetted against the TV screen. A sharp ache stabbed at his knees since his legs had no support, but he didn't dare move them. Siggy had fallen asleep with her head in his lap. She smelled like alcohol and bar food. Her bare feet were at the edge of the couch, veins bulging, bright red blisters around her ankles. Arnie held her acceptance letter in his right hand stroked her hair in his left. The TV made its noise. This marks the 39th object that has entered our solar system since last year. Astronomers expect Phaeton 39 to follow a similar pattern to each one that has come before it, being captured by the sun's gravity and entering a low solar orbit. We'll continue to provide updates. Arnie placed the letter by his feet, then remembered. In Mama and Poppy's house, the ring in the bottom left drawer of their dresser. February 5th, 2030. 7 p.m. Ring. Work. Avoid the dormitories. Burns still not healing. Dark purple. Jonas is really frozen solid. Ring. There's just something I need to get off my chest. And I promised myself I'd do it. November 4th, 2028. Tonight was the night. 
on the old king bed in his parents' house, Arnie laid two tickets to London Heathrow International and their diamond ring. You're going to ask her before the sun rises. She'll say yes. You make your... It'll be fine. Fine. He dropped both into his jacket pocket and spritzed himself with cologne. The plan was dinner on the back deck. The food was almost out of the oven. The table was set and the night was clear. The aurora borealis were out in a flood, jittery green ribbons being towed across the sky from some uncertain point beyond the mountains. There was a soft green glow on the deck and table setting. Nature had been kind to him. Ziggy pulled into the driveway at seven, looking confused by his outfit. Should I have worn my work uniform? No need, since I'm waiting on you today. Come out back. She reacted with the surprise he was hoping for, but there was a sense of urgency underneath which he thought they could both feel. It was all a romantic gesture, but she must have wondered, and he knew she must have wondered. Why? Before carting out the wine, he told her he had something for her. She was still smiling when her brow furrowed, but when he reached into his jacket and told her to close her eyes, she frowned. In that second while her eyes were closed, he thought he might have guessed what her answer would be. You can open. When she saw the boarding passes spread on the table, her shoulders relaxed. She put on a happy frown and met his eyes. Thank you, Eliskanmin. Call it the appetizer. Now, the rest. The night ran away from there. They talked about the old days at the bar, Eric and Yulia's on-off relationship, Arnie's obsessive boss, and, of course, the life that waited for them in England. He admitted to her he was scared, and he was going to need to brush up his English, but he wanted the best for her. They were going to make a new life. When the meal was finished, they took their clothes off and went back to the spring Arnie's father had dug. He kept the ring balled in a tight fist under the water as they floated and watched the aurora in the sky, green glow scattering off the surface and lighting her face. Ziggy? She kept her eyes on the sky. Yeah? So you wouldn't grow old with me. He felt the hard diamond between his fingers. If he squeezed tighter, he'd bleed. Ziggy, I need to ask you some... Wait. Elskin, have you seen this before? The sky. The aurora all seemed to thin at once. First, the accents of blue and violet at the upper edges dissipated. Then he watched as the green glow in the water around Ziggy dimmed. No, he said. Never in my life. The ribbons, all the way to their origin beyond the mountains, dimmed until they were gone. The moon's face shifted, gradually, from its bright white to a dull gray, and they watched it until it too dimmed into a black disk. Then the stars came out. A thousand new points of light broke through and twinkled all at once, more than he had seen in his life. The black of space became cracks in the light. What just happened, she said. He tightened his fist around the ring. I don't know. February 6th, 2030. Ring. Avoid the dormitories. Amputated fingers. Shore. Ring. You knew it was coming. November 6th, 2028. 
Arnie took a Dixie cup from the water cooler back to his desk and stared at the clock on the control room wall. He'd give himself 10 minutes to zone out, what passed for a break now, and then he'd go back into the meeting with Magnus and Anna and the rest. He was on his 14th hour and third energy drink. His team had never been this busy before. The clock, 6.59 p.m. Two days, 48 hours. The night had lasted 48 hours. The banality of it was unsettling, but also misleading. The lights in their houses still worked. Their electricity and plumbing was still there. Cars still had gas. The internet worked. As far as anybody could tell, they had entered eternal night, and that was it. It was just sustained darkness. Arnie knew better. He did the math. One day, average global temp 14 degrees Celsius, immediate cessation of photosynthesis worldwide. Lives lost, negligible. Seven days. Global average temp, zero degrees Celsius. All grass and cereals dead. Halted supply chains. About 10 million lives lost. 30 days. Global average temp, negative 30 degrees Celsius. Complete ecological collapse as scavenger species die off. Cats in Reykjavik. Emergency stockpiles near depletion. About 5.4 billion lives lost. 365 days. Global average temp, minus 75 degrees Celsius. Frozen oceans, long-range radiocom unusable due to ionosphere deterioration. Only people left are who we managed to save. 4,000 days. Global average temp, minus 130 degrees Celsius. Air begins to condense into snow, Shielding required on facilities to protect survivors from exposure to cosmic radiation. 7.09 p.m. Breakover. Arnie's watch read 7.08, a minute slower than the control room's atomic clock. He twisted the minute hand a hair forward, then wound it. Only seven minutes later, he found himself winding it again. February 7th, 2030. Ring. Three frostbitten toes amputated. Sure. Ring. With a thick enough jacket, we could ice skate to anywhere in the world now. <laughs> How does that sound? December 1st, 2028. Sir, you're not priority, the guard said to Eric his breath a white fog. What the fuck does that mean? said Yulia. She stuck an arm out towards Ziggy and Arnie. We're their friends. You have to. The guns had finally come out. Route 425 was barricaded a mile and a half out from the plant. Just behind Eric and Yulia, cars on both lanes, backed up all the way to the airport. Somehow the word had spread. Things were getting tense under the stars. Why can't they come? said Ziggy. Mr. Iverson is priority, and you're his plus one. We're at capacity until more of the shelter is constructed. They'll take you on the next round, Arnie said to his friends. They looked between him and the guard, bundled under the blankets, fear-stricken. They will. You're sure, said Eric. I'll see you soon, said Arnie. Uh, okay, said Eric. Okay, said Yulia. The guards pushed Eric and Yulia back with the rest of the bundled squatters along the road. 
Arnie put his hand on Siggy's back, and they walked together to the shuttle bus, windows glowing yellow in the darkness. When Arnie looked back, Eric was still watching him go. They're going to get in, right? said Siggy. Arnie stuck his hands in his pockets and shivered. Arnar, they're going to get in, right? February 8th, 2030. Ring. Avoid the dormitories. Shore. Ring. You've read my mind plenty before, haven't you? December 21st, 2028. Anna, now a project lead, scribbled the equation on a napkin and shoved it in his face. Negative 62 Celsius. With only one jacket, that's hypothermia for you in under 10 minutes. Remember Jonas? There will be no more dead engineers on this team. Put on your jacket. There's no time. Mr. Eva, no time. I need to get the modified fuel to... You have time to put on your jacket, Mr. Iverson. You do not have time to argue with me. February 9th, 2030. Ring. Avoid the dormitories. Ring. Take as long as you want, Elskan. October 3rd. 2029. The walls of their shelter were made with an ICF process modified for insulation in subarctic temperatures. The interior-facing polystyrene blocks were sheeted with fiberglass paneling cannibalized from the state building and other power plants, making hallways of hospital white gloss. This was a problem Siggy had led the initiative to fix. When Arnie walked to the south exit for work in the plant each day, the halls were covered in springtime vistas psychedelic cascades, and animals the children had done. In Dormitory 02-02, Arnie and Siggy's Sistine Chapel, two plane tickets were wedged in the frame of a wall mirror. The plaster walls and ceiling had become a Baroque skyscape, the circular mirror its rising sun emanating light beams. Siggy dabbed her brush with more yellow and dashed a beam with definition, carefully avoiding the tickets. Arnie lay in bed mesmerized by the precision of each brushstroke. Siggy fumbled as she flicked her brush. Tyson Sphere? Dyerson Sphere? Dyson Sphere? Then, in her soft English, Darkness has no need of aid from them. She was the universe. February 10th, 2030 Avoid the dormitories. Ring. Schrodinger's dormitories. <laughs> November 21st, 2029. Sitting at his terminal, Magnus sent a diagnostic request to Master Control, and it produced pages of text in less than a minute. Arnie and each person on the control team read it individually, then gave Magnus the okay. He sent in another diagnostic request, and the same process followed. They repeated this action at least five times. When it was clear that the plant would stay in perfect shape for at least another 24 hours, Magnus stood at the front of the room. He took a deep breath. 
All right, everybody, good work. Before we close the book on this place, I just want you to know how proud I am of all of you. I don't want a single one of you to think that we failed here. Maybe we can't say the same for the botanists. Weak laughter. But the engineering staff, you did what shouldn't have been possible. I especially want to recognize Arnie Iverson and Anna Jonsdotter for their work developing the conduction system running from the plant to the shelter. We were lucky enough to have Iceland, but we were even luckier to have Arnie and Anna on our team. Your work was a godsend. Lucky to have Iceland. The geothermal vents were their salvation. Everyone with the means had drafted plans for nuclear-powered bunkers, but couldn't stay ahead of the chaos. On the newscasts around the world, they had seen many bright orange flashes in the darkness die slowly and give way to starlight. The radio signals had gone one by one, the last a persistent communication from Nishiyama, just lost a month and a half ago, with the last of the planet's ionosphere. Iceland might have been the last man standing. Even then, a blight in their hydroponics had gotten them. There'd been no genetic diversity in their fruit and cereal farms. The fungus tore right through one cell, then leaked into the irrigation pipes and took out the rest. Dr. Gunnarsson had led an expedition to the Svalbard seed vault to prevent that very thing from happening, but found that the EU people had already stolen the seeds and taken them back to Germany. Some good it had done them. The engineering team suited up under all three layers. Then Magnus led them across the ice to the shelter for the last time. Arnie and Anna walked together in silence. Did you tell your husband about, you know, the dinner tonight? He asked. Anna shook her head. It doesn't feel right, he said, making this decision for everyone. I don't know. With Christian, said Anna, he'll fight to the end, but that's exactly why. It's just better that some people don't know. Yeah, he said. But you told Ziggy about the dinner? Yeah, he said. She, it just, I knew that she'd want to know. Anna put a comforting hand on his back. All good things, Arnie. All good things. Take one more look at the stars before we go in. There they were, like always, fixed. At the end of the night, maybe the humans would be gone, but the earth would keep turning, and they'd still shine down, and all of it would keep on moving like they never existed in the first place. There was an interesting feeling there. If he asked Siggy, she could probably cite a poem or a painting or a book about it. He wished he had the time to read them. Don't feel humbled by them, said Anna. A few trillion years and they burn out too. The little green guys that stole the sun don't know what they're going to do then. It all trends towards stasis. We just made it to the big freeze a little early. She nudged his shoulder. Like ants who nested in some nice-looking lumber. He wasn't sure how the idea gave Anna peace. As she took in the stars, he didn't see fear on her face. For the rest of the night, right up until the last moment he saw her, none. Arnie helped prepare the last supper, but he and Siggy didn't eat, knowing what they knew. Most of the facility's inhabitants weren't clued in as to why Governor Bjornsson had called for a feast so large it nearly depleted their store of luxury food, but they didn't question it. The people were hungry, many of them emaciated. Some of the youngest children had swollen bellies, 
a mark of protein deficiency. Until three months ago, Arnie had never seen children that looked like that with his own eyes. The facility's main cafeteria echoed with thousands of happy voices. A sadness pulled him down as he watched them all devour their food, but this was better than starvation and the violence that accompanied it. The governor had made the right call. He was tearing into a stake not 20 feet away. The night came to an end when a profound tiredness fell on all 5,402 Iceland survivors. Each cafeteria was cleaned, and everybody shuffled through the corridors to go to sleep. Around 10 p.m. in their tiny unit, Arnie sat on the edge of his bed with Siggy. Had the light been turned on, he might have gotten a look at their cysteine sky, but only a thin bar emanated below the door. Siggy was gaunt and fragile her freckled cheeks sunken, the silver color in her hair now only down to the tips. He wondered if that meant the Siggy he knew was gone away, or if this was who she always was, underneath, waiting to come out. He wondered that about everybody. Her hand felt like a vice around his. He thought she might have been scared. The ring was in his pocket, still there, waiting. She kissed him. I love you. I love you. She produced two capsules of pentobarbital. He could have mistaken them for multivitamins or antibiotics. Are you ready, Aliskanmin? But the ring. He cupped his hands over them. What if we didn't? She looked sad. Arnie, I know there's one hydroponic cell left. I know that's enough to sustain five people for life and I know I can maintain it and the plant alone if I need to. It won't keep the species alive, but it'll keep us alive. It would just be us. It could work, I know it. Arnie, that won't be living. But the ring, what about the ring? Stay here with me, said Ziggy. Please. It wasn't supposed to go like this. Okay, he said. A smile. A kiss. She pulled his hand off and slid the pill into her mouth. He did the same. Siggy swallowed. Arnie felt the capsule roll around on the roof of his mouth, but he couldn't push the thing back. It wouldn't work. Something in his mind, his jaw, his tongue, it wouldn't let him do it. The pill stayed there, even as she fell into bed with him and brought the sheets over. He held her bony head to his chest the ring in his pocket. Siggy? I'm here, Erskan. I, 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 I have to, I, shh, stay with me. It's okay. The mean pill sat there, pressed between tongue and gums. The not knowing, he decided, was what kept him from rolling it back. The never-ending not knowing and the unknowing. If he could say something, if he had the time, he could not let the world slip into that box. He could not let her slip into that box. He would not. Arnie pulled the covers off his body and felt his feet touch the cold floor, spit the pill in the trash. Across the room, he pulled the door to the hallway open. He had to wipe the water from his eyes to see, had to steady his breathing. The light from the doorway reflected off Siggy's pupils. Drowsy, she raised a single finger to him. Uh, 
else? Good night, Elskanmin, he said, like every night, then closed the door and went back to work. February 11th, 2030. The Ring. Arnie sat on the shore, looking out at the ocean. Where once the waves had crashed, there was now only a flat and dull expanse, all the way to the twinkling horizon. The air bit. It had taken fingers and toes. Still, he sat on the shore, because he had to. By the water again, he said. Your favorite. Thanks for reminding me, Arnar. Sorry, he said. He began again. So I know we have, um, multiple layers of gloves on right now, but think you can fit this on your finger? Awful. Not as charming as he thought. Can I show you something I've been saving? Too forward. Fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck! He wound his arm back and hurled the damned thing into the ocean. It made a clink when it hit the ice, and skidded along until it came to a stop against a small crest, glinting diamond unmistakable. There was a tight jolt in his chest. He forced the sob down. Tears came out, but crusted on contact with the air. He couldn't feel his cheeks, or his toes, or his fingers. Arnie turned back toward the lights of the shelter, squat on the rocky plain. There always comes a time, Mama had said, to go home. He took four steps in that direction. But the ring was behind him, sparkling there. Where did you go? He whispered. I think you... No. 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 He rushed across the ice to grab it, but lost balance on the bad foot. He slipped once. Ran. Slipped again. With the three fingers on his left hand, he fumbled it into his right then trudged back to the shore and found the same spot. Arnie took a deep breath. Siggy, he said. Will you? Caught in his mouth. Arnie sat still for a while, rolling the ring between his fingers. Eyes stuck on the horizon. He figured he'd get it before the sun rose. That was She Was the Universe by Damien Stockley. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on. Or, better yet, share the magazine and podcast with a friend. If you'd like to listen to more speculative fiction, visit us online at magazine.metaphoricist.com or on Twitter at metaphoricistmag. 